Bible reading is in your outline in the middle. We're reading from Revelation chapter 7, beginning at verse 9 to verse 17. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 to verse 17. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory, and wisdom and thanks and honour, and power and strength be to our God for ever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they? And where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God And serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the centre of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Thank you, Jane. Great to see you here this morning and uh, Happy New Year. It is, uh, sorry, I should say I'm I'm Michael. I'm one of the pastors here at the Lakes, if you haven't met me. And uh, if you're new here, special warm welcome to you. We're on the eve of Good News Week. As, As Isaac said, it's an exciting time for us. Beginning of a new year, 2020. Uh, and I won't, uh, we've, so we've hit the reset button, I hope you have, uh, on your life, so to speak. That's what New Year's do, don't they? That's what New Year's Day does. And uh, I won't ask you how you're going with your New Year's resolutions. Everyone puts their head down, yeah? Um, why are resolutions so hard? Uh, why is it that they so often fail? They, you know, we're five days in, and you're probably thinking to yourself, I just can't, I just can't do it. And I suspect it's because we underestimate how hard it is to change, uh, how hard it is to change ourselves, how hard it is to get out of a bad habit and get into a good, good new habit. Uh, but it also, uh, resolutions also raise some other bigger questions. Uh, what resolutions should I be making? Uh, kind of what is my life about? What's my goals? What should I be doing this year such that the resolution matches up with that? Because surely the resolution is something I'd like to do, I know I should be doing. Uh, This is the path I should be on. Um, It kind of raises those bigger questions. Why am I here? What am I doing for 2020 and beyond? 
And I'm convinced how helpful it is to be crystal clear about the end, the goal uh, in life, uh, the, the picture, a vision of the future, how helpful, how very helpful that is uh, in helping you work out what is important now. Yeah? Uh, I think that works in so many parts of life. It motivates you to get there. It tells you what you need to do now in order to get there. But you've got to have that vision, that goal, that picture for the future. By the end of 2020, I want to be dot, dot, dot. Before I retire, I'd like to be. When I retire, I'd like to, all that kind of thing. Uh, it works in so many areas of life. Have you ever watched a couple preparing to get married? Um, it can be the most undisciplined, unfocused people, and yet once the date is set, everything comes into motion, doesn't it? Have you noticed that? Everything, everyone, the, the two of them is focused, and they're gathering as many people as they can to focus on that day, because that's the most important day. Even the guy is focused. He's got hardly anything to do. Uh, or if you watch someone work towards a financial goal, a serious financial goal, I had a friend uh, at uni together. His goal was to be the first person to buy a house. Uh, he wanted to get wealth as quick, quickly as he could. Uh, he headed over to WA. He was a mining engineer. Uh, he went to a remote, dusty, unpleasant, unattractive part of the WA, flew in, flew out, uh, disconnected with his friends, lived with people he didn't know uh, in Perth, uh, injured himself in the mines, has a scar several inches long on his forearm where he, he uh, got into a, a battle with a machine in, in somewhere deep within the earth. And all because he had the goal, all the whole time mine, I'm going to return to Sydney and I'm going to buy that house. And he did. Uh, but that's what it took. He needed that goal to get through to get there. I've got lots of visions for 2020, as you can imagine, circling around my head. Uh, big year for us. Uh, one little one coming up is on the 3rd of February. I've got this vision of my three girls in three in, in new school uniforms, three new school uniforms, uh, at a new school walking through the gate uh, down in the Illawarra. And uh, that's been really helpful because I've realised, well, lots of things need to happen if we're going to make it to Monday the 3rd of February. And that's motivated us, that great vision. Now, the vision this morning is the biggest possible vision you could imagine. Uh, it doesn't get any bigger than this. And this is the, the vision that we all need to get crystal clear in our heads. Uh, it's a picture, not just of the end of 2020, it's a picture of the ultimate end. Uh, it's a picture of heaven. It's a beautiful picture. It's a picture of God gathered with his people uh, in heaven. And we're going to explore that together. And it raises a number of questions for us. And they are, is heaven for real? Does it actually exist? Uh, what's it like to be in heaven? What actually happens there? And the last one, how do I get into heaven? How does anyone get into heaven? Really important questions. And if you're a Christian this morning, I think this is going to be really helpful as you just commit yourself afresh to what's important in life, as you realise that's where we're heading so be encouraged, be challenged about what you're going to do in 2020, even this week, for Good News Week. If you're not yet a Christian or you're still checking things out, fantastic to have you along this morning. 
I'd be surprised if you hadn't thought about the question, what happens after you die? I think most Australians have thought about that question. And I'm sure you'd agree, if Christianity is true, heaven is incredibly attractive. I, I want to go there. I'm sure that you'd like to go there too. And hell is absolutely awful. And given those two options, given what we're talking about, this is a really important topic. You can't muck around with this. It's either true, and we need to do something about it, or it's not true, it's a fantasy, and we need to dismiss it. There's a lot at stake, isn't there? And, you, and you, it's one of those things you want to be really confident on your answers. You want to be really sure that you're trusting someone who's trustworthy as you find the answers to those things. And so I want to encourage you this morning to hear what God says in the Bible about this really, really important question. Don't trust me. Listen to what God says about heaven. Because the wonderful thing is, as Christians, we believe that God knows the beginning from the end. Uh, and he has kindly spoken to us in the pages of the Bible. Uh, and he's, give, he's mapped out for us a future. Uh, and that future we're going to explore this morning is the future of heaven. Uh, we're in the book of Revelation, so have that passage uh, in your outline in front of you so you can see it. On the right-hand side is the text, and we're going to refer to that as we go along. Uh, if you're in your Bibles, it's the last book of the Bible, really easy to find. If you've headed to the index, you've gone too far. Uh, it's, it's the last book there, Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. And here's, here's a bit of background for you. The book of Revelation is written by John, one of Jesus' closest friends, a disciple of Jesus. Uh, it's actually a series of visions and prophecies given uh, by God to John uh, when he was on the Isle of Patmos in the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, he wrote down the visions, uh, collected them together, and that's how we've, we've got the book of Revelation, written about 40 years after Jesus died and rose again. And uh, in this part of Revelation, chapter 7, John focuses in on the picture, the vision of heaven. Now, what an extraordinary vision it is. Uh, when you heard it read out, uh, this, is, this is extraordinary, isn't it? It's not, it's not one of those granular pictures, uh, poor quality photos that you go, I can't actually quite make out what's going on in that photo. Uh, not one where you have to squint your eyes to see who, who is who. Uh, it's not a poor quality video on, an, on a mobile phone. It's actually full HD picture, isn't it? It comes out at you. It's the 3D version. Uh, it's surround sound, crystal clear video clip of heaven. Very, very helpful that God's given it to us. And we're about to see who is there. We're about to see what they're doing. And most importantly, we're, we're going to find out how we actually get there. Now, as we explore this, you might need to scrub the picture of heaven you have in your mind. I don't know what the picture of heaven you have in your mind, but I can guess for many of us, it's the one that the advertisers have put in our heads. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, it's the white clouds, yeah? It's the, the harp, yeah? It's the, the shiny white teeth, yeah? Uh, what else is it? What's the picture you have in your mind of heaven that you actually need to get rid of? Uh, because... Heaven is often described to us by advertisers as those things, the halo, the cloud, the teeth, but actually quite boring, have you noticed? You know, because um, they make out that there's no one in heaven. You're actually there on your own. There's no one to have fun with. 
There's no one around. Have you noticed that? There's hardly anyone in heaven in advertising land. And heaven is very much in advertising land about you, which is why it works, isn't it? Um, people even use that expression, don't you? I'm in heaven, meaning things are just the way I would like them. This is bliss. This is good for me. So can you imagine that? The picture of heaven with you at the centre, everything just the way you would like it. Uh, can you imagine yourself, you, stuck with you <laughs> on a cloud with a harp, the shiniest white teeth you've ever had, but with you, by yourself, all about you, forever? I don't want to go to heaven if that's what it's like. And we've actually got to start again, haven't we? Scrap that, start again, blank canvas, let's paint the picture with God's picture, the real picture, the real heaven, the heaven that actually exists. Have a look there, verse 9, it's much more magnificent. Have a look, verse 9, it is a great multitude of people gathered. It is a huge, huge, millions upon millions of people gathered. More than you can count. An incredibly diverse, incredible, incredibly international crowd. There's people from every nation. There's people from every tribe. Uh, it is staggeringly big. Uh, it is exceptionally broad. It's, it's hard to get your head around, isn't it? Can you think of the biggest crowd that you've ever been part of? Um, did anyone go down to the New Year's Eve fireworks in Sydney this week? The central coast is just too good, isn't it? Oh, there's one. If you were there, you gathered, so Clovermore tells us, with one million people. There were one million people with their eyes around Sydney Harbour towards the bridge, towards the, the fireworks. All with one focus, one celebration of colour, of life, of a million people. And as big as that was, that is nothing compared to heaven. That doesn't even make the first step in heaven. That doesn't even fill the foyer in heaven. That, that looks like a, a poorly organised kids' party <laughs> compared to the heaven that actually exists. And look at the picture of heaven. It's not just humans that are gathered from all over the world. Look at verse 11. It's the angels the angels in heaven are standing around the throne, the elders and the four living creatures. They fall down on their faces before the throne and they worship God. And there's something really, really important here, isn't there? Verse, verse 9 and verse 11. What are they doing? They're standing around the throne and before the Lamb. They're holding palm branches in their hand and they're wearing white robes. Now that looks... That just looks weird, doesn't it? <laughs> but it's actually, it's, it's funny kind of imagery, but it's, actually, it's picture language. It's God giving John picture language to describe what is absolutely magnificent to help us paint the picture of what heaven is actually like. It's an image to depict reality. Uh, the throne is the image in the Bible of a king. I think we're very familiar with that. Uh, and who is the king in the Bible? God is the king. He's the king of kings. Uh, the Bible keeps referring to God as king, and, and here at the centre of heaven is God in all his magnificence. And the lamb is, jo is John's way of referring to Jesus. Uh, in, in 
John, in John's Gospel, John's biography of Jesus, he calls Jesus the Lamb of God. So can you see the focus in heaven is on Jesus, the King. God is at the centre. Around him revolves heaven. Around to him are all eyes. Uh, to him everyone worships. And it's, it's a whole of life and body experience, isn't it? When you peep into heaven here in Revelation chapter 7, they are joyfully submitting themselves to God, enjoying God, praising God. The, the, the palm branches are actually a picture of, of rejoicing and celebration from the Old Testament. Uh, in Leviticus, uh, the Israelites in the festival of tabernacles raise the palm branches. I don't know what the equivalent is. is it, I was going to say the party popper, but it's just too pathetic, isn't it? It's just that, that heartfelt rejoicing and celebration. I want to be here. This is fantastic. I'm worshipping my God. And you can hear it in their voices. Look at verse 10 up on the screen. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. We are here because of you, Jesus. You are the King. You deserve all praise. You are the glorious one. We belong to you. We love you. We worship you. We enjoy you. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honour and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. You see what it is? It's unending praise, isn't it? It's that joyful, abundant, overflowing, spontaneous praise that never, ever ends. It's the praise and the relationship and the enjoyment that just fills up your soul. And you go, that is what I'm made for. This is where it's at. This is life to the full. This is what my, how my soul is satisfied. Well, it's a magnificent picture, isn't it? What, what does it tell us? What does this picture of heaven tell us about heaven? Well, it tells us that heaven doesn't exclude people based on race or culture. That is a great thing, isn't it? In our world, that's actually what divides us, isn't it? Uh, our culture, uh, our, our race can be a divide, uh, can separate people. We pride ourselves on our nationality and there's something good about that, but there's something that actually can divide us amongst, uh, even in our own country. Uh, our world is full of conflict and division and even war. But in heaven, there is one gathering. There is peace. There is unity. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, church is actually a snapshot of that, isn't it? When you see church, uh, when you see Christian brothers and sisters loving each other, accepting those from all different nations, that's a snapshot of that last day of heaven. Uh, that's why we're so excited uh, to have different nationalities at the lakes, isn't it? So exciting to have our Chinese brothers and sisters. Can you see too that the focal point of heaven is not you or me, how good is that, but God. Uh, it tells you that we're actually made for something bigger, something far more important than ourselves. Heaven is not about you. Heaven is about God. That is a beautiful thing. And that actually tells us something about life too, doesn't it? That life is not about you. Life is about God. I wonder, have you, have you realised that as you head into 2020? 
How, how good is it though? To, to How freeing is that? It's not about me. It's about God. It tells us our deepest longings are not found by looking to ourselves, but looking to God. That's who will satisfy. Uh, life that satisfies is about giving honour and praise to our great God, not giving honour and praise to me. Heaven is not about you. Heaven is about God. Life is not about you. Life is about God. He is the one who's glorious. He is the one that's deserving. He is the one who truly satisfied. And so we've actually got to kill that myth, haven't we? That if I could just get everyone doing what I would like them to do, if I could just have life the way I would like it, if I could just get that thing, I'd be satisfied. And the answer is, you won't. That's not what heaven's about. That's not what life's about. Uh, the reason advertisers give us that picture, that image of heaven, all about us, is because it works, isn't it? It's actually what our human hearts love to hear. It's about me. But it's a lie. You, you even know it's a lie. Surely you know, life experience as you go on tells you that you won't be happier with more stuff. That won't actually satisfy you in the end. Uh, people who are 100 times as wealthy as you will tell you that if they're honest with themselves. Uh, the reality is there's a God-shaped hole in our very souls that only God can fill. And so the vision of heaven is nothing like what the advertisers are telling us. We need to get rid of it. It's the joyous celebration of millions upon millions, not focused on fireworks, but focused on our great God. And not notice in this passage you pick up, it's not drudgery. It's not like, oh, we've got to gather again. Oh, what time's church? It's a bit early. Um, it's, it's like, oh, I want to be there. Heartfelt, joyful celebration. Why would you want to be anywhere else? This is where it's at. Have a look with me at verse 15 to see how good it is. He says, They are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them from his, with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That is exceptional, isn't it? I mean, whether, whether you believe in God or not, whether you think this is true or not, that is an extraordinary picture. That is the picture. That's, I want to go there. I want to be part of that. And notice God's described it for us in terms that we can relate to because he's described it by what it's not. He's like he's saying, you know all those miserable things that are part of life that just get in the way of a good life? They are not there. And who is going to fix it? God is. That's the beautiful picture, isn't it? And so let me take you through it. Our world, what does our world desperately need? It needs shelter. Shelter from all kinds of dangers. Um, as Jane said earlier, thousands of people are seeking shelter from, from fires this summer. It's just absolutely awful, isn't it? It's just part of the broken world in which we live in. It is awful. But in heaven... God himself will be our shelter. 
Uh, in our world, there's, there is hunger, but it says here, but in heaven, we will never be hungry because God will satisfy us. Uh, here we are thirsty. Our planet is hot and dry and we're, we're thirsty for all kinds of needs. There we will never thirst and God will give us living water. Our world is lost without its maker. In heaven, God will be our shepherd, the one we need. In our world, there is real pain and there's much tears. Uh, in heaven, there'll be no more pain and God will wipe away every tear. That is something to look forward to, isn't it? That is something I can live towards. I want everyone to be part of that. Uh, a place where there's no more pain, where God will wipe away every tear. Uh, even over this festive period with all the celebrations, uh, when everything looks so good, so happy, uh, when many would say Central Coast is, is heaven, God's country. We do fool ourselves, don't we? That our world is not in pain. We kind of fool ourselves that it, it's actually okay. Yeah, people are okay. Uh, but the celebrations, I think, thinly cover over real pain and real hurt, real broken people. I, I, I saw it on New Year's Eve. Uh, we got invited to two parties. How good is it to get invited to two parties on New Year's Eve? Yeah? You time it right, you get two lots of food. Okay, and we did. Uh, but there we are, second party. It's approaching midnight. Everyone looks happy at our party. It was a great celebration, great time. Um, we all, we're all enjoying the moment. I mean, we're honest with ourselves, though. You look around the table and you go, I know I, there are things that I'm in pain over. There are disappointments over the last year. That's the case for the others around the table. That's life in a broken world. Um, and I know it's just a snapshot, but there was, a, there was people in the same street having a party, and it's so easy, isn't it, to think, they've got a nice house, they've got a, they drive nice cars, they look like great people. They're having a celebration, they're enjoying themselves, um, beautiful views, plenty of wine and food, lots of laughing, everyone having a great time. Um, until just before midnight, uh, a violent argument, domestic argument, abrupts, is, is, comes about between the, the two people in that home. Uh, I fear something worse has happened. I hear a man and a woman swearing and screaming and abuse at one another until the woman comes running into our gathering for help. Silence across the party. Don't be under any illusion. We are broken. And our world is in a world of pain. But there is coming a day where there will be no more pain. I say, bring on that day. Bring it on. Now, it sounds great, doesn't it? But how... Let's answer this question. How do we get into heaven? How can I be sure that I'll actually be there? It might be one thing that it's real. God's spoken to us about it. I want to be there, but how can I know that I will be there? Um, now, there are lots of different answers to that before we, we hear what God says. Um, what do most Australians say about that question? Most Australians, when I think you ask them, are you going to heaven? Just that's... Fairly bold question, but do try it. Um, I think the answer that comes back uh, is, I hope so. I hope I'm going there. I hope, and what does that mean? I hope I've been good enough. 
Or as someone said to me over Christmas dinner this year, they actually put it the opposite way, I hope I haven't done anything so bad that I'll miss out. I think that's pretty common. Um, some, of course, would say I can't get in because I, I, know all, I know myself all too well. I know what I've done. I haven't been good enough. Um, and the Bible has something really, really important to say if you've got that view. It says you cannot be good enough. You cannot be good enough to enter heaven. You must realise that. You must be real with yourself. God is the holy, perfect God, and we are not. Uh, I, I am not good enough. You are not good enough. Uh, we need to get real with ourselves. We actually need help. We need to be forgiven. But it's great news. Because if you can realise, if you can get to that point and go, I know I'm not good enough. And it's great news for the person who thinks, I've, I've really messed up. I've gone too far. Uh, God could never accept me. There is, there is good, good news. Because God provides a way. He provides a way in Jesus. Uh, Jesus is the way, trusting in him to, to heaven. It's God's great gift to us. It's his kindness that gets us into heaven, not our performance. That's a great thing. Even here in Revelation 7, notice those in heaven are wearing white robes and they've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Now that should be obvious to you, that's a picture language again, isn't it? That kind of doesn't make sense. Two pictures, the white robe washed in the blood of the Lamb. I think the white robe is, is, is the clothing, the dress of our souls, our very self. There they are with clean souls before God. Why? Because they've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Because Jesus has died on the cross. And what did he do at the cross? He took the judgment of God that we deserved. Uh, his blood spilt for us means that we can be forgiven. We can be clean before God if we trust him. He has suffered the penalty on the cross that we deserved so that we might go free, we might be forgiven. That's wonderful news. Uh, that's what Jesus' life was all about. That's why he came. Uh, there they are, white robes, spotless before God because of Jesus. Uh, that is how you get in. Do you see the picture? What have, let's summarise. Uh, there is an afterlife. It is very, very good. Uh, here in um, Revelation 7, there is a group of people, millions upon millions of them, who've trusted in the Lord Jesus, who are washed clean, celebrating, praising, rejoicing, having their souls filled uh, in, in great praise to God. Uh, that day is coming. Yes, there is a judgment. Yes, there is heaven. Yes, there is hell. What are we created for? We're created to be in relationship with God. Our soul longs for this. Nothing else will cut it. How do we get there? We've got to trust in Jesus. We've got to stop trusting in ourselves. We've got to be honest with ourselves. We've got to look to Jesus Ask him to forgive us and accept the gift of forgiveness in Jesus. How does it change things for us now? Well, it changes things enormously, doesn't it? How can that not change life now? If a wedding day can change a person now, the great picture of heaven to come must change us, mustn't it? And two things as we finish. 
I reckon the first thing it does is it raises the question for you personally, are you going there? That's, you know, if there's a bus leaving for heaven and it's a certainty and it's leaving at this time today, are you on that bus or not? Isn't it wonderful that we've actually got the opportunity to think about it? Isn't it wonderful that God's actually given us time? Isn't it wonderful that God has actually handed out a beautiful invitation? Come and be part of my gathering, even now. But on that last day, how wonderful. And the question is, what will you do with that invitation? Um, will you accept it? Will you become part of the gathering uh, into all of eternity? I want to encourage you to, to think hard on that. And if you're, if you're still thinking these things through, uh, maybe you need more time to think about it. You've come to church at a really, really good time because January, uh, starting next Sunday, uh, we're going to uh, start our life series. So look into life with Jesus, all about life. Um, you know what? So this is a sermon series starting next Sunday. Uh, it's actually a six-part series over three weeks. So we'll actually do a separate talk morning and night. So six talks over three weeks. So you can even come... If you normally come here in the morning, you can come at night as well, and you get a different talk and vice versa. Uh, but six sermons on, you know, what is life about? What does it mean to live life to the full? What has that got to do with Jesus? Uh, what does Jesus' death mean? What about my death? Uh, is there a heaven? What is heaven like? We'll keep exploring these things over six weeks. And we're also going to run a course in February, the life course, uh, very similar to Simply Christianity. Uh, so Dave's going to be running... Uh, again, a six-week course on stepping through what it means to follow Jesus. What, what is life actually about? Um, so let me encourage you to be part of that. But the second thing, how does it shape us? If you are a Christian, I hope you've been inspired by this picture. I hope you have this picture imprinted in your hearts and minds. Uh, this is the picture, I think, that's inspired me to tell people about Jesus for my whole life. Uh, I think this is why I went into ministry. This is why I came to the Central Coast. This is why I'm heading down to Wollongong. That day is coming. It is beautiful. I want everyone to be part of it. I want to be there. I know I'll be there because of Jesus. Um, if you believe this, it will change you now, won't it? It'll change you in so many ways. Uh, well, I talked before about invitations. The invitation has come to us to be part of heaven. But the beautiful thing is the invitation has come to us also, we've accepted it if you're a Christian. It's also, there's an extra invitations there to hand out to other people, isn't there? God's actually given us the role, how about you invite someone else to find out about Jesus? Uh, take that opportunity. Uh, do that even this week uh, for Good News Week. Take lots of opportunities across our week to invite people to take their first step with Jesus. That could be life-changing for them. Uh, make sure you do that. Uh, it says lots of, thing about, lots of things about what we put hard work towards, isn't it? What our priorities and goals are. Gee, some people have uh, put a lot of hard work, sweat and tears into ministry, uh, whether you're in paid ministry or unpaid, into Good News Week. Uh, that is time, energy, well worth, well worth it. Spent well. The Apostle Paul says it is never in vain. Uh, stick at it. Uh, the work of the Lord in the Lord is never in vain. 
Uh, it actually, that picture of the future helps us to endure hardship, doesn't it? Life is broken, life is messy, but there's coming a day where there'll be no more pain. I can, I can hold on to Jesus to that day and wait for that. I can even forego good pleasures now for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the kingdom, because heaven is coming. Um, imprint this vision, this picture on your mind. Drink deeply from these words because it will change your life. I'm going to pray for us. Our great Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, for the Lord Jesus. That picture of him seated on the throne on that last day by your great gift, us gathered around singing your praises to you and you alone. Father, thank you that this is what life is all about. Father, thank you for the wonderful gift you've given us in Jesus that we can be forgiven and be part of it. Father, thank you for the invitations that we've been given to give to others. Our Lord, please find us faithful even this week as we invite people uh, to this life-changing gathering. And we pray it all for Jesus' sake. Amen.